the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Stand Up For Jesus with your host, Craig Nedro, founder of Craig Nedro Ministries and Stand Up For Jesus. Our focus is to reach out to the lost and witness about the transforming power of Jesus Christ and calling on others to stand up for Christ and His Word, proclaiming that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. And now, Standing Up For Jesus, here's Craig Nedro. Welcome to the program. This is Stand Up For Jesus, and my name is Craig Nedro. On the program today, I'm going to continue the teaching series that we began a few weeks ago, and this will actually be part three in our series about prayer. Uh, Just a quick review of the last couple of parts of this. You know, with some of the recent events and a heightened awareness about prayer and the power of prayer, uh, I just, I I felt like it was a, a good opportunity for me to go back and do a teaching on prayer. I have done these before. I, I will tell you that I'm always a little surprised when I go back and, and do a teaching on prayer by some of the response I get from listeners. I also continually get blessed every time I go back and and, and teach on prayer. It blesses me, my, myself, uh, because I, I love the subject of prayer. And uh, on the program, I talked in the the first part about not only the power of prayer, but the privilege of prayer. And so when I talk and I teach about prayer, obviously I want to look at the Scriptures. I want to see what the Bible has to say about it. Uh, But I also want to give personal witness and personal testimony about the privilege of, of what I think about prayer in my own life, the power of prayer in my own life, and I just want to I want to be real and talk about how important prayer is in my own life. And so uh, before we get into the scriptures today, I want to take a, a couple minutes and I want to kind of go back and review a little bit what we've talked about in the previous uh, segments and also talk a little bit about that actual thing that I just mentioned. And that is how important prayer is in my life and give a, a little bit of testimony there. So uh, in the the first um, section, the first part of, of this teaching series, we talked about, and I'm going to give you a couple of scripture places. I'm not going to go back and go over them, but I will give you the scriptures if you want to go back over and look at them. And the first one we talked about was in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, where the apostle Paul said, be, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, make your request be made known to God. I love a couple of things about that. First of all, it says, "In do not be anxious, but in everything. And as I've mentioned before, you know, if we think about who we have the privilege of praying to and stop and meditate on that, that we have the opportunity, we have the privilege of praying to God the Father who sits on his throne and he's the creator of everything. The creator of the universe, if if Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior, then you have the opportunity and the privilege 
uh, and the honor to go right into the throne room and pray to the creator of the universe. And that, to me, I have meditate on, meditated on that fact many times for hours and hours, and it still amazes me and humbles me when I think about that. And think about what Paul says in Philippians. He says, don't be anxious about anything. In other words, really, when we do stop and think about who we're praying to and the the power of God and the fact of, that God sits on the throne and he's in control of everything, you know, a lot of anxiety goes away. Really, at the end of the day, what do we have to fear? If we've trusted in Christ as our Lord and Savior, A, we know where we're going when we die. The, the Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The Bible says over and over, he will never leave you nor forsake you. So God is with us. The Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? I will tell you, I'm a businessman. I own a couple of companies. And um, even during the, the, the difficult downturn, uh, my, pro- my companies have prospered because if God be for me, who can be against me? I don't live my life according to the world's economy. I live my life according to God's economy. Uh, I, 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 do, I do not put my trust in mankind. I put my trust in, in God. He says in Jeremiah, do, do not put your trust in mankind, but put your trust and your hope in the Lord. And so um, I've done that in my life. Uh, I will give you personal testimony that God has absolutely changed my life through prayer. And it's, it's during our, our difficult times that he wants us to go to him in prayer. It's during the, the quiet times. It's, it's, it's during the good times. He wants us to praise him. He wants us to worship him in prayer. He wants us to go to him about everything. And I, I made this word picture before, but I, I want I think it's worthy to make it again, and that is this. If you have children or grandchildren, does it not honor you when they come to you about things? And is there anything that if, you're, if your child or your grandchild came and said, hey, could I talk to you about something is there anything that you would say to them, no, that's off limits, you can't talk to me about those things? And the simple answer is, really, it's, it, it, the answer is no. You, you, it honors you when your children feel close enough and want to confide in you and value your counsel and value your advice and want to come to you and talk to you about anything. It, it blesses you, both as a parent and as a grandparent. Well, do you, do you not think it blesses our Heavenly Father when we as His children are willing to come to Him about everything as well? And I know that's a very simplistic word picture, but I think it's, I think it's worthy of meditation. And Paul says, pray about everything. Um, he, the, the second verse that I, that I focused on was in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verses 16 and 18, you can go there and look at that. Again, I don't have time on the program today to dig into each one of these again. Um, And then um, in part one, the last scripture I focused on was in Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 26, when Jesus talks about, he says, look, you believe in God, believe also in me. He says, when you pray, believe those things that you pray, and you will have what you pray for. And that's an amazing statement in, that Jesus makes in Mark chapter 11. Then in part two, I talked about in James uh, chapter 5, verses 13 through 18, where it talks about the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. 
talked about Elijah was a man with a character like ours, a nature like ours, and he prayed that it would not rain and it did not rain for three and a half years, and then he prayed that it would rain and it did rain. That is amazing when we stop and think about that. Elijah, the Bible says he was a man with a nature like ours. In other words, he was a, he was a person who made mistakes. He was a person who, who fell short in his walk with the Lord from time to time. He, he had a nature like ours. He had the same kinds of challenges and the same kinds of failures and the same kinds of temptations that we have and the same types of things that went through his mind, the anxieties and the worries. And yet the Bible says that he prayed that it would not rain and it did not rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed that it would rain and it did rain. That encourages me that Elijah was a man with a nature like mine and yet um, that he understood the power involved when he prayed to God. And so in my own life, I want to have an effective, fervent prayer life. Can you imagine, and and I do imagine this, but can you imagine if you knew that you really knew in your heart that when you prayed, things changed? When you prayed, circumstances changed. And when you prayed, God moved on your behalf. And yet the Bible says that, that that's what we should believe. It says in Hebrews 11 and 6, without faith, it's impossible to believe God or to, impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I think it honors God when we pray and expect him to move. I think it honors God when we go to him about everything in our lives. And I, I recently had uh, a somebody that a listener on the program that reached out to me and said, and I mentioned this before, that I wrote a book many years ago and that one of the chapters was on prayer. And this listener reached out to me and said, could you, could, could I get a copy of your book? Because I'd like to read the chapter on prayer because I really don't know how to pray. And and that that kind of took me back a little bit. And um, I spent some time praying for that particular listener about this. And uh, so on, on, and I don't know if this is going to be the last part three is going to be the last part in this teaching series. It may not be because I could teach on prayer for uh, many, many weeks. I, I love the, the subject of prayer, but I, I, I thought about something while I was uh, coming to the program, coming to the station today. And that is um, I, I'm going to end the program today with a few minutes of prayer because I think sometimes it, it helps us to hear and I, and and listen i'm not eloquent in my prayers i don't think god's looking for eloquence i think what god's looking for is authenticity you know he knows our, he knows me he created me and he knows my anxieties he knows my my weaknesses he knows my my stumblings he knows everything about me better than i do and so i want to end the program today by spending a few minutes in prayer and just Maybe it'll. Maybe somebody that will be listening to the program will be blessed by listening to somebody who's just very real in their prayer life, because my prayer life is, um, if not the most important thing in my life, it's right up there. Obviously, the most important thing in my life is Jesus Christ. Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. I'm not ashamed to say that. I will never be ashamed to say that. Um. And I am I try to be bold in my witness. I try to be bold in my life. Uh, I look for opportunities to pray for people. I ask the Lord to help me be sensitive to those t- opportunities. 
Um, but I'm very real and very authentic and open in my prayer life. So I'm going to end the program today with a little bit of uh, spend a few minutes in prayer, and I and I hope that it will be a blessing to whoever's listening to the program today. So um, in part two, I I I taught from First John chapter First uh, uh, John fourteen and fifteen uh, in chapter five of First John, where uh, it talks about. Um, actually, I'm going to flip over and read this because I think this is important for us to be able to to wrap our mind around and understand. But in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So in our prayer life, I think it's important that we understand that when we pray, we need to pray God's will. I've had people say to me, hey, can you pray for this or this is the circumstance I'm in. Can you pray for this or this? And I'll use an example. I've had people that uh, I've been involved in prison ministry for many years, and I've been behind the prison walls and had people pray for me and say, will you pray for me or pray with me about an early release or about this or that? And I said, look, I, I don't, I'm not going to be insensitive to your, your request. I know you want to get out of prison. But what I, the best thing I can do is pray for you God's will. Because if it's God's will for you to spend another year in prison before you get out, or you want to get out before God's will, is that really what you want? God knows exactly how much time you need behind this wall. And if it's another year, don't you want to, don't you want to wait and see what God's going to do during this next year? Don't you want to come out the exact time that God's opening these doors for you to come out? Or do you want to come out, do you not want to trust God, and do you want to get out before God says he's ready for you to get out? And so when we pray about things, we always want to say, Lord, whatever your will is. Because if I pray according to God's will, and I'm praying something that I know is God's will, I shouldn't have the confidence that to know that, if I'm praying his will, he hears me. And it says there in 1 John that if, if I'm praying according to his will, then I can have the confidence that I, to know that he hears me. And if I know that I'm praying God's will and he hears me, I can have the confidence in knowing that I can have those things I'm praying about. That's a simple thought, but it's profound to me. So when we pray, we always want to pray God's will. And we want to thank him for who he is. We want to, we want to praise him that he's on the throne we want to praise him for who he is. We want to take time in our prayer life to not only ask for things, but to also get still and get quiet and try to listen to him. And I'll talk about that here in, on the program today in one of the verses that we're going to look at. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to take my first break. I'm going to come back. I mentioned this on the program last week, and we finished uh, with uh, some of the uh, with a, a verse, a couple of verses. Jesus is always our best example. And so there's a lot of things that the Bible has to say about how Jesus prayed, when Jesus prayed, where Jesus prayed, and how important prayer was in Jesus's life. And so if prayer was the the primary thing in Jesus's life, and if it was of heightened importance in his life, do you not think it should be in ours as well? So I'm going to take my first break. I'm going to come back. And we're going to go in and look at some of the verses uh, about Jesus praying. And then we're going to look at some other verses in the Bible, both New and Old Testament, about prayer. 
My name is Craig Nedro, and this is Stand Up For Jesus. We return to Stand Up For Jesus with Craig Nedro on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM. Welcome back. This is Stand Up For Jesus. My name is Craig Nedro, and I'm, this is part three on our teaching series about prayer. And before the break, I mentioned that uh, at, at the program last week, we ended it, we began to look at some different verses about uh, and, and looking at where the Bible talks about times and instances and, and locations where Jesus where Jesus would pray. And I, as I mentioned before the break, Jesus is always our greatest example. And so I want to look at a couple of verses and talk about them uh, in relation to where uh, where and how and when Jesus prayed. And so if you if you got your Bible, open them up. Uh, we're going to start in the book of Mark. And we're going to begin in chapter 1 of Mark. And I think it's important that when we look at certain verses, we also want to see what, what's going on right before those verses and maybe even right what's going on right after these verses. And so in Mark chapter 1, um, in verse 34, it says, Then he, being, meaning Jesus, healed many many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. So can you imagine the setting here? Here it is. Jesus is, this is one of the early instances where Jesus is healing uh, people of diseases. He's casting out demons. What an amazing, and, 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 and we listen, when we read things in the Bible, we tend to just fly over these verses and fly over these readings where I think sometimes we just need to stop and slow down. Think about what this verse says. It says, Jesus, and again, I'm in Mark chapter 1, in verse 34, it said, then, then Jesus healed many who were sick of various diseases. Now just stop and think about that. Person after person after person coming to Jesus with different diseases, different sicknesses. And it says, and, and, he, and he, uh, he, he healed those who came to him with various diseases. What a sight. What, what, what would it be to be a witness and watch Jesus healing people one after the other? And it says, and he cast out many demons. Well, I, I, I mean, I'm just going to use myself as an example. I've never witnessed somebody casting out a demon. Have you? And yet the Bible gives instance after instance after instance where Jesus cast out demons from people. Can you imagine sitting there in a room? or sitting outside, or sitting just anywhere and witnessing people coming to Jesus who have a demon demon spirit in them, and Jesus casting out these demons. What a a sight to witness. And so here in Mark chapter 1, verse 34, it said, Then Jesus healed many who were sick with diseases and cast out many demons. And then he says, And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. What an amazing thought. In other words, imagine a demon beginning to speak, and Jesus says, "Shut up! You, you are. I do not allow you to speak." What an amazing instance! And then in verse thirty-five, it says, "Now in the morning, so right after this scene where Jesus is healing people of diseases, he's casting out demons, he's telling, he's controlling demons, telling them they cannot speak." Okay. Then in verse thirty-five, it says, "Now in the morning." Having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Now, 
again, I want to take a few minutes and talk about this verse. This is, this is an amazing verse. So first of all, I will tell you, it says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight. And I want to give a little bit of a personal testimony. Many of you that listen to this program, you know that many years ago, I, I broke the law, I got caught, I got arrested, and I got sent to prison. And it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me because that's where I got born again. I got born again behind the prison walls. And while I was, I was locked up for 18 months. And during that period, something happened that still goes on in my life today. And that is the Holy Spirit began to wake me in the middle of the night, two o'clock, three o'clock, three fifteen, four o'clock. But it, it, it began and I, I knew it was the Holy Spirit. And that's the whole nother story I could tell you about sometime. But the Holy Spirit began to wake me in the middle of the night. And I would get up in the middle of the night and spend time studying and praying. And this is a habit that I still have in my life today. I don't do it every day. I don't do it every night. I'm not up every night in the middle of the night. But usually one or two or maybe three nights a week, I'm up in the middle of the night. Uh, It's never the same. It just depends on what time the Holy Spirit wakes me. I have many instances in my Bible where certain sections of the Bible I have written down uh, when I w- when the Holy Spirit woke me up, and, um, and 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 I make notes in my Bible. I'll give. I'm flipping over to give you an example. Uh, one of my favorite sections of the Bible is Psalm 91. What an amazing section of Scripture! And in Psalm 91, at the top of my page in that in my Bible, I say, "Lord, I must have the 91st Psalm." In Jesus' name, Amen. And I have, uh, for example, one of the one of the times I have is three fifty five a.m. on May twelfth of twenty twenty two. I also have right next to there, uh, eight, uh, September fifteenth at two thirty in the morning of twenty twenty. I also have um, four thirty a.m. on August eleventh, two thousand and seven. These were times in the middle of the night where the Holy Spirit took me to Psalm 91, and I spent time meditating and reading and studying Psalm 91. And this is just an example I'm giving you in my Bible that I make a lot of notes in my Bible. But my point with this is the Holy Spirit began a practice in my own life of waking me in the middle of the night. And you might say, Craig, what's the big deal about that? Well, I actually did a Bible study about it, about rising early. And maybe what I'll do is at the end of this teaching series on prayer, I might do this teaching series on rising early because it's it's when you look at it the people Abraham rose early David rose early Moses rose rose, uh, rose early uh, 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 Paul rose early and of course Jesus who's always our greatest example you're in fa- a, a wonderful c- a company when you when you understand uh, about rising early and spending time with the Lord and so let me let me just touch on that just for a second what's the big deal Craig about rising early well First of all, Jesus did it. It said, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight. And here's what I will tell you. As someone who does this and has this habit in my own life, there's there's something special about rising early. It's quiet. When I, when I get up in the middle of the night and I, I have a, a particular place I go to, just like here it says Jesus went to a solitary place. I have a solitary place in my home where I go to in the middle of the night, whatever time it may be, it's my place. And I settle in and I get quiet and I get still 
and it's it's a special time because I'm giving the Lord the very very first of the day before I even wake up because I after I I may spend thirty minutes I may spend an hour and a half whatever the amount of time is not as important as what happens during that time but I'll go back to bed after that and I'll sleep for a little while before I get back up and and really start my day. But what I'm doing when I'm getting up in the middle of the night, I'm giving God the very first part of that day. And and in my opinion, it's a special time between me and God. It's quiet. feels like the whole world's asleep. feels like I'm the only one up at that time. And it's a special time of fellowship between me and my Heavenly Father. It's a time when I get... I, I, I can let go of everything else going on in the world, and I can bring my concerns, I can bring my worries, I can bring my anxieties, I can worship God in the, my own way that I do it. And, and it's a time when I, go, I ask the Holy Spirit to minister to me. I'll ask the Holy Spirit to teach me things from the Word. It's just a special time to God, and it's a special time to me. It's a special time between me and God, and it's it's in the middle of the night. Now, the devil would tell you, you know, if you get up in the middle of the night, you're going to be exhausted the next day. And I will tell you, that's exactly what the devil does. He lies to us about things. So think about it. The devil would say, you know what? You get up at 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning and spend an hour with God, you're going to lose an hour of sleep. And when by the time you wake up in the morning, you're going to be exhausted. But you know what the truth of the matter is? God says, I will restore that. I will refresh you. And the days that I get up in the middle of the night and for however long I spend in prayer and studying and fellowship with God, I wake up the next morning and I'm refreshed. I, I, I don't know if I can actually say I have more energy, but I certainly don't have less energy. I don't, I don't miss that sleep time. You know why? There's nothing greater than I could do than to be up in the middle of the night spending night with uh, spending time with my heavenly Father. So here in Mark chapter one, verse thirty-five, it said, "Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, once again, if Jesus did it, do you think it might be a good habit for us to do?" And it said he went to out, went out and departed to a solitary place. So he had a he 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 wanted to get off by himself. Folks, listen, we live in a busy world. It's chaotic. We're bomb- From the time we wake up in the morning till the time we go to sleep, we're bombarded with things. And yet Jesus found us a, a solitary, says he departed to a solitary place. I want to encourage you. If you don't have a solitary place somewhere, and, it, 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 and where it is is not as important as the fact that you find it. It could be in your car. It could be in your backyard. It could be in your living room. It could be in your bedroom in a certain in a certain place. It could be out in the woods behind your house. It can be wherever you go that you, you find a, a peace that comes upon you. Find a solitary place. And it says, and there he prayed. I, I love this verse. I want to read this verse again and leave this with you as we go into the break. It In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, Jesus went out to a departed, uh, he, Jesus went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. My name is Craig Nicola, and this is Stand Up for Jesus. 
More of Craig Nedro and Stand Up For Jesus on Christian Talk Radio. The Word, 100.7 FM. Welcome back. This is Stand Up For Jesus. I'm Craig Nedro. Talking again on the, today is part three on the subject and the privilege of prayer, the power of prayer. And um, I just read a, a, a verse from Mark chapter 1, verse 35, where it says, Now in the morning, having arisen a long while before daylight, Jesus went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And I talked about how important it is. If this was a high priority in Jesus' life, he had just finished casting out demons, healing a lot of people, and the very within a matter of a few hours, he's up and going to going out and departing to a solitary place and spending time in prayer. Don't overgloss that. Don't stop and think about that. Jesus needed he needed time in prayer. Now. I mentioned this on on part two of the program uh, of the teaching series, but I want to mention it again because I think it's interesting. You know, we always hear this phrase: "It'd be it'd be it'd be interesting to be a fly on the wall," right? Can you imagine being on a fly on the wall, being able to sit off to the side and le- listen to Jesus pray? Think about it. What an amazing opportunity! What did Jesus pray about? What was this prayer life like? I, I find myself fascinated by that thought. And so Mark gives us an example. Mark gives us just a, a, a word picture there in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, that Jesus, he went off to a solid, he departed, went to a solitary place, and there he prayed. So now I'm going to stay in the book of Mark and go over to Mark chapter 6. Now, in this particular instance, Jesus has just finished feeding the 5,000, and he sends, he sends his disciples away. It says in Mark chapter 6, um, it says in verse 44, now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. It says in verse 45, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he sent the multitude away. So Jesus, this is a huge event. So I would challenge you, after a major event in your life, here's an example of what Jesus Jesus does. Imagine feeding over 5,000 men, and that does not include the women and the children, with uh, just a few loaves of, of bread and a few fish. It said actually that he'd taken five loaves and two fish and fed over 5,000 men and their families. And when that's done... He sends his, puts his disciples in a boat, sends them away, sends the multitudes away. And then it says in verse 46 of Mark chapter 6, And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Remember I mentioned in Luke, I mean in Mark chapter 1, he went, to a soli- went out to, and departed to a solitary place. Here he's doing the same thing again. It says he departed to the mountain to pray. Now, I, I, I think it's important that we, get, we wrap our mind around this. Folks, we live in a world where it's hard to be alone, where it's hard to get quiet. And yet, it's essential that we understand how important this is. We must be able to find some quiet time and, and get quiet and spend time in prayer. I'm going to show you another example. Flip over from the book of Luke uh, to the book of Luke from Mark. And go to Luke chapter 5. And in Luke chapter 5, I'm going to read a couple more verses kind of quickly here. But in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, 
talking about Jesus, it says, so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness to pray. So here it just tells us, this was a regular habit of Jesus. It says he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. This was a regular habit of Jesus. He did it often. Again, not to over, I don't want to be redundant, but if Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness to pray, if it was a daily or whatever, probably several times a day, but if it was a regular habit of Jesus to depart from everything going on around him, and listen, we're no busier than Jesus was. He had multitudes of people following him everywhere he went, and yet he would make sure that he got away from the crowds, that he got away from all the chaos, away from all the action, and he would get quiet and depart to a solitary place. Here it says he went into the wilderness and he prayed. I think that's important. And then one more chapter over in Luke chapter 6, it says in verse 12, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer to God. Couple things jump out there. Once again, he went out to the mountain to pray, and then it says he continued all night in prayer to God. There it is, that rising early in the middle of the night when everybody else is asleep, when the world's quiet, when the activity has stopped, when things are are, are solitude and quiet, and you can hear and get still. What did Jesus do? It says he continued all night in prayer to God. Wow. It just blows my mind when I stop and meditate on that, when I stop and think about that. Jesus, our greatest example, made sure that he had quiet time to get still and go out and spend time in the middle of the night, in the wilderness, on the mountain. He would withdraw from everything going on and spend time in prayer. He's my greatest example. If Jesus did it, I need to do it. I'm going to take my last break and come back. My name is Craig Nedro, and this is Stand Up For Jesus. Back to Stand Up For Jesus with Craig Nedro on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM. Welcome back. This is Stand Up For Jesus. I'm Craig Nedro talking about prayer. I've been talking and going over some different verses where Jesus is our example about how to pray, when to pray, where to pray. And I ended in Luke chapter 6, verse 12, where it says, Now it came to pass in those days that Jesus went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when I, I talked about it's important that we find a solitary place, wherever that may be, that we find we carve out time to get away from the busyness of our world and get quiet and get still and spend time with God. If Jesus did it, we should, should certainly do it. Now, I want to give you a little bit of a personal testimony here um, about one of my most, the most, one of the most important verses. The whole Bible is, there is no verse that's more important than another, but we all have what we call life verses. And when I, I, I mentioned earlier that many years ago, I spent 18 months in prison. And during that time, I have a life verse that, that God took me to, and I've spent hundreds of hours meditating on this verse. And this verse is in Psalm chapter 46, verse 10. And many of you know this verse, but I want to mention it and talk about it for a minute. In Psalm 46 and 10, it says, be still and know that I am God. 
So how does that relate to prayer, Craig? So again, I'm going to give you a little personal testimony here. In my life, and that word still means, uh, if you look at it in the original Hebrew language, it, it is the word rapa, R-A-P-A. And it means to be alone, to abandon, to humble oneself, to be feeble, to hang your arms down limp. And it says, be still. In other words, the word be is a verb. In other words, it means you to, to get still, it has to be intentional. It takes action to get still. It sounds like it's con- contradictory, but it's not. In other words, here God is saying, get quiet. Get still somewhere. Clear your mind. Turn your phones off. Get off the computer. Get away from people. What did it say about Jesus? Often he withdrew into the wilderness to pray. It says, be still and know. Now that word know right there in Psalm 46 and 10, when it says, God says, be still and know, that word know does not mean like an acquaintance. That word know is the, is the, the Hebrew word yada, and that is a special word, Y-A-D-A. And what that mean word that what that mean word means is to know for a certainty to have a very intimate relationship. You know, I have friends, and, and, and I would tell you that hey, I know my friends. I, I got people I grew up with that I know. That's not what this means when it says "be still and know." I will tell you that uh, I have uh, close friends that I know. That doesn't compare to this. I will even tell you. That is, um, and, and the word picture I will give you is a, is a spouse, my wife. My wife and I know each other intimately. And when I began to get to know my wife, I had to spend time with her. I had to ask her questions and be quiet and listen. I, 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 I had to pour out my heart. I told her about my dreams. I told her about my past. I told her about, about my, my fears and my concerns and my wants and my desires, and she did the same with me, and I listened. And that's a very intimate relationship. And here when it says, be still and know that I am God, even as as intimate as I am with my wife, that's not even, that still doesn't get to the point of what this means when it says, be still and know. God wants an intimacy with us that we have with no other human. And so God says, be still and know that I am God. In other words, he says, do you know that when you're at your lowest point in your life, that I'm God and I'm on the throne? Do you know that when things are going well, I'm God and I'm on the throne? And do you know when you're scared and uncertain and when the world's falling apart around you and there's chaos everywhere, Do you know that I'm God and I'm on my throne? I'm telling you, I've spent hours and hours meditating on this verse. Be still and know that I am God. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Psalm 46 and 10. Now, I mentioned earlier in the program that this, these, this teaching, and and I'm not done. I'm going to, we're going to continue this. Uh, and for another week or two, I don't know. I'm trying to let the Holy Spirit lead me. 
but I've got some more verses I want to go over, but I want to end the program today and I want to spend a few minutes in prayer. I, I mentioned before I had a listener that reached out to me and made a comment to me and said he didn't really know how to pray. And I find that amazing, but it kind of grieves me. I, 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 I care for that person and I want him to, to know that he, there's not a right and a wrong way to pray. So sometimes it just helps us to be able to hear somebody else or to hear an example of something. My my prayer life is not eloquent. My prayers are real. They're not um they're not full of uh correct grammar or big long impressive words cuz God knows everything about me. But I want to end the program today just for a couple minutes I want to end it in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you're on your throne. Lord, I'm taken back by the privilege that I have, knowing that you, the creator of the universe, cares about me, that you're on your throne. Lord, to think that I'm actually your son and that you care about me and that you know who I am and that you created me, These thoughts are above my comprehension. What an amazing privilege it is, Father, to come to you in prayer. Lord, this world is in such a chaotic place, and yet you you know everything, and you're in control of everything, and I put my trust in you. I want to thank you for Jesus. I want to thank you for your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness towards me. Thank you for your patience. Jesus, I love you. I believe you are the Son of God. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Lord, I ask that your will would be done and that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I'm asking you to protect and guard me and my wife and our kids and our family and our our neighbors and our friends. Lord, I ask for your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness and your love, and your protection. And again, Father, I thank you for who you are. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue this teaching. This was part three on the power and the privilege of prayer. I appreciate you tuning in. My name is Craig Nedro, and this is Stand Up for Jesus. You've been listening to Stand Up for Jesus with Craig Nedro founder of Craig Nedro Ministries and Stand Up for Jesus. If you would like more information about Craig Nedro Ministries and Stand Up for Jesus, visit our website at craignedroministries.org or give us a call at area code 469-688-7615. Be sure to listen next week at this same time as we Stand Up for Jesus on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.